0: Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, The Far-Reaching Effect, and was spoken by Pastor Gary Keller. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 1. God spake all these words, saying to Israel, I am the Lord thy God. I'm the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Therefore, since I'm the God that brought you out, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't make any graven images or make any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I preach to you today from this thought, the far-reaching effect. The far-reaching effect. You may be seated. In the Old Testament, we find the far-reaching effect of iniquity being passed down from a father, watch this carefully, all the way to the third and fourth generation. Visiting, our text tells us, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children, unto the third and fourth generation. What is iniquity? Wickedness, evil, Sin, vice, injustice, crime, offense, transgression, indulgence, all of the above are iniquities. In the 21st century, some would call it a generational curse. A generational curse is basically a defilement passed down from one generation to another It's any negative cycle that a family finds themselves trapped in, such as alcoholism, or drug addiction, gambling, a poverty mindset, marital affairs, divorces, abuse, and the list, just could go on and on and on. All of it is iniquity. And Jesus made it clear that in the last days, which we are in today, We are in the last days. Jesus made it clear that in the last days, iniquity would abound. Matthew 24 and 12 in the King James Version, because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. In the Amplified Version, because lawlessness is increased, the love of most people will grow cold. The NIV, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And then the NLT, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. What is this iniquity? Where did it come from? Why are we dealing with it? Well, we're not the first generation to deal with it go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but that's really where it started. And iniquity comes from within. Can't blame anyone else. We're born with the Adamic nature. We're born with the nature of Adam. So all of this iniquity comes from within. Mark chapter seven, verse 20 Jesus said, that which cometh out of the man, that's what defiles the man. For from within out of the heart of men proceed 13 things, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. My question today is how did they get in us? Well, we were born in sin, and we were born with the Adamic nature. As a matter of fact, this iniquity thing started with Adam and Eve over 6,000 years ago. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, they crippled the entire human race. And no wonder Paul writes to us and writes to the Roman church in chapter five and says, for if by one man's offense, Adam, Adam and Eve, if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. I love the next statement. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So for everything Adam did, to confine, confine us to the cage of sin, God is unlocking the door to your heart today for you to repent and expel all of those things that come from within so he might give you his power, his glory, and his grace. And that's what we find in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. The next verse says, for as by one man's, one man's disobedience. Now we read in our text that the iniquity of a father that's not arrested, not taken care of, will affect all the way to the third and fourth generation. But the iniquity of our father Adam has reigned for 6,000 years. For by, the, by man, one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah, I'm thankful that there's a last Adam. I've heard it been said that there was a first Adam and a second Adam, that's not scriptural. In the Bible it says there's the first Adam and then it's the last Adam. We don't need another Adam. Jesus Christ is the last, he is the absolute thing you need. There's not gonna be another savior, another government, another program that's gonna help you. Jesus Christ is your hope and his name, his power, his spirit, his grace is in this house, hallelujah. He is the last Adam and he's the one that can save you today. David made this keen observation. In Psalm 51 and 5, he said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We all have a problem if this is what happened to David. David the king. David the man after God's own heart. David the one chosen by Samuel and anointed by him because Christ, because God called him to be the king and now David is saying behold I'll tell you how all of these things happen in my life and he had more ups and downs than probably anybody in the Old Testament. Good days and bad right days and wrong but David is dealing with it all and he finally comes to the conclusion in Psalm 51 which you ought to read that Psalm in its entirety this week. Psalm 51 and 5, David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so it begs the question, what is the antidote today? What, What shall we do because we are shaped in iniquity? What is the antidote for the generational curse you may be dealing with this morning? And notwithstanding, what is the antidote for the defilement Adam and Eve left in us? That antidote can be found in just five verses later in Psalm 51, hallelujah. We know and I could preach a long time today about the far reaching effect of iniquity but I don't wanna just stay there. I wanna move on to my message and my message is the far reaching effect of prayer because now we find in Psalm 51 and 10, David, who's already admitted, I was shaped in iniquity, in sin I was conceived, and so now, what am I gonna do about it? He begins in verse number 10 by saying, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. That's where it starts. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. And then I love, I love verse number 13. Then will I teach transgressors. When we see that word transgressor right there, when we see David saying, I will teach transgressors, the the, the first thought that came to my mind this week as I was studying this was somebody down and out. And then I got to thinking about this. No, it's not just somebody down and out, it's a transgressor. It could be your child, your friend, your associate, your family member, a church member. A transgressor is someone who is violating a law. A transgressor is somebody who is going beyond the boundaries. The the transgressor is someone who is stretching the limits beyond what is acceptable in God's house. And David is saying, I'm going to teach those that are stepping outside of the safety of God. I'm going to teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. That's what we're doing on this Sunday morning. Hallelujah. We say with Psalm 25 and 11, for thy sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. We say with David in 32 and five of Psalms, I acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid. What a great directional David is giving us. I acknowledge my sin, hallelujah. My iniquity I have not hid. Can I tell you right now, you, you can't hide anything from him. It, you, you just, you, the, the best policy is to be honest with God. And, and And you know iniquity uh, will will be something that is, and I read you the long list of what iniquity can be. It's any kind of a sin or anything that separates you from God. and 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 the the, the travesty in this hour for this generation is we know it's there. This is my sin. And we put it right there, and it's a travesty when we f- refuse to acknowledge it. We come to God. We worship, we sing, we're faithful, and all the time it's right there. And we feel as if God doesn't know it's there. Can I tell you open your heart. Bring that thing out, whatever it is that you've gone beyond the limits on. Lay it at the altar. Tell God you're sorry. Say with David, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. Mine iniquity I have not hid. I will confess my transgression unto the Lord and you will forgive me of the iniquity of my sin, Selah. And the word Selah means I'm gonna worship God right here. Because I just wrote something under the inspiration of the Almighty. And when I see what I have written, I understand the power of it. I understand the validity of it. I understand how it can transform. And I'm going to put my pen down and shout for just a moment. David is saying, I've acknowledged my sin. Oh, hallelujah. My iniquity I have not hid. I've confessed my transgression and you have forgiven me my iniquity. You're able to do it. We know the far-reaching effects of sin that is plaguing this generation. We are aware of the far-reaching effect of iniquity that is dogging this generation. We know the far-reaching effects of a generational curse because we see it in cycles in people's lives and homes. Now consider with me the far-reaching effects of prayer. Your prayer. Not corporate prayer in the church. Not family prayer around the table before a meal. But your individual prayer to God for whatever you're praying for. Mark this down. God hears your prayer. Look at Revelation chapter 5. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb. And every one of them had harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Every prayer you pray makes its way to heaven. Hallelujah. There are two implications to consider when you talk about the prayers of saints. First of all, when a saint of God prays, his or her prayers will indeed reach the throne of God. The second thing is this, when you pray as a saint of God, your prayers please the Lord Jesus Christ. And mark this down on this Sunday morning, every prayer that you've ever prayed is stored up in heaven in golden vials. Not only does God hear the prayers of his people, but he saves those prayers for the posterity, which means he saves those prayers for the succeeding and future generations. I shared with you uh, a few weeks ago, months ago. We have a wonderful friend, Brother Scott Marshall. His daughter Rose and his daughter Rachel, son-in-law Eric, attend our church. And um, the story goes like this. And I got a clear, a clear. Picture of the story about three weeks ago when we preached for the Marshals down in Russellville, Kentucky. The story goes like this Jim and Teresa wanted out of Louisville or Louisville, whatever you want, uh, envelope or envelope, doesn't matter. Right across the river from Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky. Jim and Teresa wanted out. So what did they do? I found this out. They got a map of Kentucky. We want to stay in Kentucky, but we want out of Louisville that has 760,000 people, almost a million people. We want out. And so they opened a map up and they put their finger on Bowling Green and they said, no, Bowling Green is still Bowling Green, Kentucky. That's still too big. And so they slid their finger south and they said, Russellville. Russellville. Russellville, Russellville, Kentucky, 7,000 people. Let's move there. They came down to Russellville. They bought, they sold their house. They bought a house. And the Bensons were their neighbors. And they invited Teresa and Jim to the Russellville United Pentecostal Church for the christmas program for the christmas dinner and the candlelight service in december of 2018 new in town let's go they came they went the next week they went to florida moved into their home in florida for the next 3 months then they came back to russellville kentucky after the winter was gone and it heated back up, up north. They made their way back to Russellville and their neighbors again invited them to church. They came back to the Russellville United Pentecostal Church pastored by Pastor Scott Marshall and Brother Marshall said, why don't don't y'all do a Bible study with me? And they said, fine. And so they're in their late 60s and they started a Bible study with Brother Marshall. Then Brother Marshall teaches them the Bible study and a few months later, They both say, we wanna be baptized. And so he takes Jim down into the water, and he said, when I baptized Jim, Teresa's standing on the outside of the baptismal tank, and Brother Marshall said, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And so I whispered, he said, I whispered into the ear of Jim, and I said, Teresa just got it. And Jim, very competitive person, (laughs) said, this is not gonna happen. She ain't getting it without me. And he went after it and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And then he baptized Teresa in the wonderful name of the Lord. Now I shared that story with you, but let me share the rest of the story. This year, this year, Teresa's daughter and her 19 year old and 12 year old son in April had Bible study with Brother Marshall and they were all baptized in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And so in one of the Bible studies, Brother Marshall mentioned Rose and Rachel and said to to Teresa and to Jim, my daughter Rose and my son Rachel live in Lancaster, Ohio, and they go to a church, one of our churches, and it's pastored by Gary Keller. And Teresa goes, that's my stepbrother. And Brother Marshall said, what? She said, that's my stepbrother. And it blew Brother Marshall away. Well, it blew me away when he called me. Because Melvin, my stepfather, who married mother in August of 1975 came to the Lord after he was an adult and his, or after he had, his kids were all adults and they had all moved away and then all of a sudden their dad gets into this crazy tongue-talking Jesus name thing and they just, they just walk away from him. And they don't really want, and so I've seen Teresa twice, once at her father's funeral and one other time in 35 years. Only seen her twice, didn't really know her, wouldn't have known her if she walked through these doors here and just kind of separated because of things that happen in life and all of that business. And so here she is now filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And let me tell you why, one of the reasons why, why is, how, how is it that somebody can lay a map down and somebody can say we're moving out of Louisville and we're gonna go not nah, Bowling Green, let's, let's, da- let's, let's move to Russellville. How is it that they move next door to some apostolics? How is it that they invite them to come? That they go to Florida, come back, get in a Bible study, get baptized, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Their daughter gets baptized. Their two grandsons get baptized. How does all of that happen? Let me tell you the rest of the story. Because Melvin Day, my stepfather, who died 15 years ago, been gone 15 years, Melvin, every morning would get up to go to work. And when we would stop by and spend the night at Mom and Melvin's, I would hear him in the living room before he left for work. And I would hear him pray, God bless my wife. He was a prayer warrior every morning, faithful. God bless my family. God, oh God, save my children. He prayed that prayer until he died. But I want you to know one thing. That when he died, his prayers did not die with him. Hallelujah. And I want you to know something else. That the iniquity of a father will affect the third and the fourth generation. But can I tell you what prayer will do? Prayer will save your daughter your granddaughter, your great grandsons, those prayers never died. I'm preaching to somebody, don't ever doubt it. Your prayers are effective. Your prayers will be answered. Your prayers are for real. Don't stop praying. You gotta pray. Hallelujah. And so we pray, and God saves. Prosterity means the Lord saves your prayers for the succeeding and future generations. God keeps on file every single prayer you've ever prayed. He hears you. He knows you. He loves you. He will fulfill his promise and that promise is he will answer your prayer. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Can I make a statement here today and tell you that no prayer is wasted and that every prayer you pray is duly noted by God? Listen to Revelation chapter eight, verse three and four. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the with what? With offer the incense with what? The prayers of the saints. And as we read this, the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints, where did those prayers go? They ascended up before God out of the angels' hands. I wanna assure you in this house of worship this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ has heard your prayer. I'm telling you why he has sent this message today is because some, there's someone here today that you've said in your heart, God, just don't hear me. God just doesn't answer. No, I'm telling you, God does everything in his right and the right timing. He does all things well, He knows the end from the beginning, and when you pray, He heard your prayer, and you may be like my grandmother who prayed for her two granddaughters, Bonnie and, and, uh, and uh, Nita, to get saved, and she died long before they got saved. Uh, but I believe it was her prayers that had an effect upon their lives, and they made their way back to the house of God. Can I tell you right now, God hears your prayers, and I'm going to make another statement today, the Lord Jesus Christ can handle your prayer trust him go ahead and pray it ask and you shall receive seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open unto you jesus can handle your prayer the far-reaching effect of your prayers that you pray over your family and over yourself and over your church and over your country and over your friends and your associate your associates those prayers will never die Hallelujah. We know about a generational curse. Lord, help me. But I want to end this message today telling you about a generational blessing. Hallelujah. That if iniquity can make its way to the third and fourth generation... Can I tell you right now that your prayers, your faithfulness, your love for God will have an effect not only upon you, but upon the generations ahead. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine unframed faith that's in you, Timothy, it was first in your grandmother, Lois, and it was in your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded that it's in you also. There's something powerful getting ready to happen in this service. God's getting ready to turn iniquity away from the third and fourth generation and God's going to impart the power that had the generation before you had the generation after you has God's going to bless it God's going to keep it God's going to do it God can do it The prayers you pray your family for your family those prayers will never fade away First Peter chapter 3 and verse 12 for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers Iniquity. You want to talk about iniquity? Here, Let's just go to iniquity for a moment. Let's talk about a guy. I heard about this guy. That came to his father and said, I want everything that you're supposed to give me. And the father said, what? Yeah, I want you to give it to me. Everything. Don't withhold anything. I want my inheritance. I want it now. I want all of it. And so the father said, all right. And that guy, the story goes like this. Maybe you've heard it. I don't know. The story goes like this. I do know you have heard it. The story goes like this. This guy, this man takes everything that's coming to him by way of inheritance. And he goes into a far country. And he spends it on riotous living until it's gone and until there's a famine in the land until now he's in a pig's pen so hungry as he feeds the pigs so hungry that he's considering eating what the pigs are eating. But now let's just leave him there for a moment and let's go back to the father's house because that daddy did not just say good riddance. That father said, keep the fatted calf ready. Keep the robe pressed and in order. Make sure the ring is there and get ready because I've been praying for my son who's walked away in iniquity and my prayers are more powerful than his iniquity. My God is more powerful than the darkness he's in. My God is able to reach down in the pig's pen where he's at and give him a moment of sanity. Don't ever doubt he's coming home. Keep the fatted calf ready keep the robe ready, keep the ring ready, and I'm gonna kiss him when he gets back. I want you to know my boy's coming home. He kept praying that prayer. Can I tell you something more powerful than the sin and the iniquity of this world is a church that will stand on its feet and declare God is able, and my son's coming back. My health is coming back. My blessing is coming back. My future is coming back. Nothing's gonna stop it. I'm gonna pray, God's greater than my iniquity. Yeah. And, the, and the prodigal son has no idea why all of a sudden the scripture says he came to himself. He had a moment of sanity. He realized I went beyond the boundaries. He realized I'm a transgressor. I have stretched the limits. I've gone beyond my father's house, but I have not gone beyond my father's prayers. Hallelujah. And he came to himself, but he still was gonna play the game, cause he said, I'm gonna go back to my father's house, and perhaps he'll just let me be a servant. No, you don't get it. You don't get it. You're not coming back as a servant because a servant has a limited responsibility to the father. And your daddy did not pray a prayer to bring you back as a servant. He wants to bring you back as a son that can take on the full responsibility of where you were when you left. He's gonna let you pick it up right where you left off. He's going to eradicate and forgive all of your transgression and he's going to give you a robe and a ring and a position. Don't play the game with God that I'll just come back and get a little blessing once What? No, we're not going to do that. You're not coming from the pig's pen and sitting on the sidelines. When you come back, the Father is going to reinstitute you where you were and I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody. God wants to bless you. God wants to restore your ministry. God wants to put a ring on you. God wants to kiss you. God wants to put the fatted calf on the table God wants you to have everything that you left you left it a long time ago but there's a mama that's been praying and there's a church that's been praying and the Holy Ghost is here and God knows where you're at you're coming back he almost somebody clap your hands under the Lord right now hallelujah those prayers never die! as they come to the instruments. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, Jeremiah 33, 1, 2, and 3. While he was yet shut up in the courts of the prison, saying, thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, and established that the Lord is his name. And God said to Jeremiah. When Jeremiah was in prison, in the pig's pen, locked away from his purpose, locked away from his calling, locked away from where God wanted him to be, and God said to him, in the prison, God said to him, call unto me, and I will answer thee. And when I answer you, get ready for great and mighty things that you had no idea was coming. I'm telling you, there's a prodigal that's getting ready to come back to God. I don't know if you're listening online or if you're in this building. I'm just telling you, I had no I, The Holy Ghost is here right now. And, and there's a prodigal that's coming back. And, and, and I've got news for you. God is gonna restore you. God is gonna put... You've never felt anything You've never felt anything like coming out of sin into salvation. And He puts on you the robe of salvation. He puts on you a ring which has His insignia, which gives you authority. You can put an impression on a document because it's not just a ring. What that ring represented was you now have authority. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You're not just coming back to a position of a servant. You're coming back as the son and the daughter of the king who's going to put a robe on you and put a ring on your finger. He's going to bless you. He said, call unto me and I will answer. I just want this church to know your prayers your prayers that you prayed is going to transform somebody's life. Don't stop praying. Your prayers this morning can revolutionize your family. Your prayers can change your relationship, bless a marriage. Your prayers can alter your future and the future of others. You may die before it happens but your prayers will not die. They are forever coming up before God. Whoo! I'm just gonna tell you something. Sometimes I just stop and pause and I mention the wonderful saints that have gone on before us in this congregation and they've gone on to be with the Lord. But I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not gonna start calling names. I'm not gonna start calling names. But some of the wonderful saints of God that have passed on They prayed prayers for you and they prayed prayers for me and they prayed prayers for your children and they prayed prayers for this church and not one, we buried them. We brought them here. We put them in a hope chest. We took them to the cemetery. We laid them to rest. And even though they have passed on and we'll see them in the rapture, but I'm telling you right now, not one of their prayers was buried with them. Every prayer they ever prayed for this congregation is alive and well in this house today. His prayers, the prayers of the saints are moving in his house today. Oh, glory to God. One man's prayer, a father for a prodigal, A mother for a prodigal. One person's prayer can reach out and rescue a lost soul. The prayers you pray. We're gonna come to the altar here in just a few moments and I I hope you'll join us. It's not gonna be an altar call where we're gonna wait and say, you know, okay, who wants to come? I just want you to commit now that I'm coming up to say a few prayers. I want you to make that commitment. Please, please don't Please don't walk out when I have everybody stand. I want you to walk forward. Let's do that today. The prayers you pray, this is how important they are. They can help and heal. When you come to this altar and pray, maybe you're going to pray for yourself. God, there's some iniquity. I just, there's some iniquity. You know it's there, so... I'm getting rid of it. Your prayers can help and heal broken lives. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Broken bodies. Broken homes. Broken spirits. Broken families. Broken relationships. Your prayer. When we come to this altar on this Sunday morning and we pray, those things are going to happen. God's going to, we're going to activate. We're going to activate. I know, I know, don't, uh, I know, iniquity, generational curse. I know they go down third, fourth generations. But what we're doing here this morning, hallelujah, this afternoon, what we're doing here today is we're going to send some prayers forward to keep our families covered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you pray, a few verses later in Jeremiah verse 6 I read this late last night and it leaped off the pages of the Holy Writ and into my heart Jeremiah 33 and 6 Behold I will bring it health and cure I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth whoo Hallelujah. Let's look at that verse again. Behold, I will bring in health and cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace. If there's one thing we need in this generation, you know about a generational curse. Our government is strapping three and four and five generations down the road with a debt that we can't pay. I'll just leave it right there. We put that on generations to come. Well, that's a government. But can I tell you, the enemy of your soul wants to strap you and your children and your grandchildren until they have fade off into an oblivion. And they no longer count, but they will count because you're going to cover them today with your prayers. I will cause the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. I'm going to restore them the same way they were before they went into destruction. And I will cleanse them from all I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned. And behold, they have transgressed against me. But I'm going to wipe it out because I've got some prayer warriors. He said in verse 3, He said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. And now he is saying, since you prayed, I'm cleansing iniquity, I'm forgiving sin, I'm making a way where there seems to be no way. When you pray, souls will be saved. When we pray this morning, when we just come to this area, when we pray this morning, souls will be saved because of our bombardment of heaven with our prayers. Needs will be met. Restitutions will be made. Altars will be full. Lives will be changed. Hearts will be touched. And revival will come. Would you close your eyes for just a moment and listen to a familiar passage of scripture before we stand and before we come. and? Would you listen to 2 Chronicles 7:14? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land and that concludes this podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please like share and subscribe and for those of you on itunes leave us a good rating thank you for listening to the nlcc lancaster podcast